Hello, hello, you're listening to Love Cast Pleasantry. I'm seriously running out of words that start with P and rhyme with country, but all right, let's just keep this thing going. Uh, Love Cast Pleasantry, our weekly show in which we dissect all of the happenings on HBO's Love Craft on HBO's Lovecraft Country. I forgot the name of the You got confused, show. didn't you? Yeah, yeah. yeah I you, got a little yeah. bit confused in my head. Yeah, that's right. I am joined, yeah. as always, by Ian and by her. Hello, hello, guys. Yes. Hello. I am Ian. <laughs> <laughs> the Explorer. <laughs> I, I, I... I, I just cannot with this show. Every episode just makes me so happy. And, mm-hmm. and you know what's the problem? Like, okay, so... Later this week on the Goggler podcast, we're going to be talking about uh, Utopia. And that's another show which is, you know, kind of like mysterious sci-fi fantasy, all of this stuff kind of rolled into one. And and the mm. problem is after watching Lovecraft Country, all of these other shows feel incredibly lazy because mm-hmm. of the sheer amount of stuff that has yeah. been layered into this program. And... It's bad. It's spoiling me for other TV shows. <laughs> <laughs> other TV shows need to, you know, pull the slack, man. Because this is yeah. this is some excellent writing and some not only just excellent writing, but you know what? It's 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 planning and plotting and everything as well. It's organizational skill sets to just figure <laughs> out what what like they have a wall for the, the the crazy person string wall just for the references they're going to do in a show never yeah. mind the plot yeah. threads they're going to drop yeah. or the things they're going to move through no but also yeah. it's also very creative right the 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 little jaunts they do the little story beats that they take the little imagery that they throw in randomly in an episode is just outside the box thinking at its best Hmm. But hey, you were, I guess you would be pleased a little bit because while we did get a Hippolyta episode uh, with the Orrery, um, this episode kind of delved back into everyone's stories a little bit. So yes. we got a little bit of Montrose, we got a little bit of uh, Tick and Letty, we got a little yep. bit of Christina. But I think we have a general idea as to where everything is going. So there are three episodes left and essentially three hours left. But this episode filled me with a little bit more confidence in that I think they'll be able to wrap everything up because we seem to be hitting a we seem to be hitting a peak, right? With regards yep. to shit's happening. Yep. Yep. I mean shit's going down, I think. And I think after as as much as I liked the previous episode where we got to see Tick's background well not background, but what sort of made him the person he is now, I'm glad to come back to Chicago. I'm glad to see you know, Christina, Ruby, and that story sort of developing a little more. I'm glad to see Montrose's story. I'm I'm glad to see Tick and Letty sort of trying to. Wait, we're back on the on the storyline, right? We're back on the yeah. the the hunt for the book of the names, etc. and stuff. Well, I saw the I saw tweets live when this was going on in the US, and people were talking about it being a hippo. Hippolyta episode and I was wondering if it was going to be the same as last week's one just be so much separate but they actually integrated the two a lot better this week I I think so yeah Uh, but also I have to say the thing I like most about the series is that they don't leave anything to I mean I was going to say interpretation actually there's a lot left to interpretation but what I mean is they did that they always write everything you need to know about these characters and it is a feat that is performed. So, for example, after the second, after the third episode, when we're talking about George's death, and we see them deal with George's death in a very basic manner, and that would be mm. enough because I think we were able to kind of fill in the blanks in our own head. But it's great to see a Hippolyta episode where she actually has to come to terms yeah. with what's happened and also with the conflict she feels with her husband. Mm-hmm. We actually thought at the time that we were missing an episode, right? A yes. little bit, yeah. Because we had screeners and we were like, wait, what? It's like three weeks later or something? Yeah. And, 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 and even, no, but even then, even the tearing out the pages of Dracula, we were like, okay, that's a real good character moment. It tells yeah. us a lot that we need to know, but actually there's more. And it's really mm. good. And even in this episode, they sort of, they sort of jump ahead. Uh, stuff happens in the background because we don't see, we didn't know Hippolyta and, 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 and Diana is back, right? Because yeah. 
Tick and Letty sort of mentions offhandedly, oh, we could go get Woody. And in my head, I'm like, oh, wait, do they know? Do they not know Hippolyta's not back yet? Um, mm. But no, she is back. And I think that sort of, that jump forward is, is, is trust in the audience, right? You don't have to show them driving back home, everybody saying, oh, how was your trip? You don't need that. <laughs> you just sort yeah. of move it along, yeah. Yeah, they hit the beats they needed to because it was like, yeah. you see her... Wait, you see her in the ruins of the Ardham Manor, right? Which is like, raises questions about how she was able to get there now. Does that mean the, the spell that hid it from the rest of the world is gone? Um, oh, yeah. Good note. But yeah. then it says three days earlier, right? Was it? Sorry, she's messing with the orrery, then it goes three days earlier, right? Correct. She's playing yeah. with the orrery, it says three days earlier, and then she's back at the Ardham okay. Manor. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, so she got there. There's nothing left of the Ardham Manor. So that, that, the. Order of the Ancient Dawn, that lodge is gone, man. So that's how the episode starts, right? I mean, Hippolyta is kind of playing with the orrery, and I'm assuming you did the same thing I did, Ian, and put those coordinates into Google Maps. Yeah. I was wondering if one of you is going to do that. <laughs> what was it? Do, do we know? Somewhere in Kansas. Yeah. Oh. Like it said on the map that they showed us mere minutes later. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, but I did check, and it is a um, five-hour drive from Tulsa. so i wonder if that's gonna play into this um Mm. um, yeah so there's a bunch of coordinates um on the um orrery uh and there's also a saying from immanuel kant which reads every beginning is in time and every limit of extension in space however the full quote goes space and time however exist in the world of sense only Hence, mm. phenomena are only limited in the world conditionally. The world itself, however, is limited neither conditionally nor unconditionally, which is a kind of UBU power statement, really. <laughs> right. <laughs> that kind of drives this whole episode. Um, so, yeah, Hippolyta manages to crack the code with the orrery because she notices that the planets are off tilt. Yeah. Um, and, and, and this is the other thing that the show does really well. And we've spoken about this a lot, but I, I, I love that they, that they keep doing it, right? So... Uh, we've grown up watching Western TV and we often see a lot of white people do this, right? That they're good at science or they could be driving in a car and they could be singing a song in French. But we almost never see um, a black person doing this or behaving yeah. in this way. Mm. They never say, let's science it out. And I love that this show is just completely unapologetic about doing it and also not really shining a spotlight on it. It just is. Yeah. There's a moment later on where it looks like they're trying to get hippo... Hip- hippo- we keep saying Hippolyta, but she calls it it's Hippolyta, she says in the show, Is it right? Hippolyta? Yeah, She keeps Hippolyta. saying Hippolyta, right. and I, I find it yeah. difficult to, to get in my mind, but it's Hippolyta. She, she named herself. We should use it. Um, there's a point where it looks like the showmakers wanted to replace that white woman thinking with the math in the background uh, yes. theme. Mm. It's yep. like, we, no, we got a black lady for this now. It's better. And it is, it, it was awesome. They do <laughs> a little yeah. hidden figures thing, right? Yeah. But like, you see whether she's like, is she entranced with her? She, she's just obsessed with her, right? But it's like, but seeing someone interested in that you know only you know a lot of the time white people get to indulge in their um what's that book called all my enthusiasms um and it's good to see that here it mm. is and also it, it, it remains true to character right because uh we see her talk to her dad on the phone earlier on about the orrery so it's something that she's always done that she's always read about and it feels very very true to the character it's not something that's just popping up in episode seven mm. so mm. all of this works with uh, hippolyta yeah, the, her dad's not that kind who's like, you stop it with that learning girl. He's like encouraging it and like, yeah, tell me <laughs> tell me more about this weird thing you found. As opposed to, say, Montrose, who was like, no, put the learnings away. It's bad. It'll burn us. Uh, the, the, I guess the smallest character beat was the Montrose um, character development in this episode, which was a very short scene. But we actually see him uh, wake up at home, I'm assuming after the events of the ballroom. Uh, yep. And Sammy stayed over for the first time and is cooking breakfast. Uh, but that goes south very, very quickly. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. because of Montrose's own internalized homophobia. It's not homophobia. It's homo- hate, hate, self-hate, basically. Yeah. Yeah. He's uncomfortable with who he is. Or he hasn't actually accepted who he is yet, unlike Sammy, for example. Yeah. And, 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 and Sammy tries. And I thought that scene was really good because everything was wrong it is like we've all been there where either someone's trying to pick a fight with us or we're trying to pick a fight with someone why are these grits so runny mm. <laughs> never had that never had that particular conversation no, not that particular <laughs> conversation. why is this yeah. coffee so sweet yeah. you know i don't like pork <laughs> you know what i like that sammy pushed back i like that it wasn't just a one-sided 
you know, fight that Sammy saw right through what Montrose was trying to do. And and I think that sort of took the wind out of Montrose's sail, right? Because he can't... How do you continue that that picking of that fight when you've been called out for it? I love yeah. the fact that Sammy called him out on it. And Sammy calls him out because this has happened before. Like He mentions the fact that every time we try and get close and there's a certain point where he can't be bothered with this closeted gay man, he needs to be out and proud or go find someone else. Yeah. And but then, then they get discovered and then the by worst Dick thing and happens. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's yeah. the, wor- it's the mean, worst thing from Montrose's perspective, but it's also probably a good thing for his personal growth because, you know, no one wants to out themselves or no one should out themselves. But the fact that it might be something that pushes him to realize himself better. Yeah. But I did find it weird. I don't know. I don't even know what he was saying. I don't know whether it's just a Michael K. Williams thing or I don't understand what the hell he was saying when he says, don't you ever call me out my fucking name? And I'm like... What does that even mean when he's talking to Tick? No, but before that, I have to say, I think um, there was a minute when I was shocked with Tick's reaction. And then I realized, oh, it's the 1950s. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> because, and, because I wasn't sure how he was going to react. And then he goes, yep. you're a fucking faggot. And I was just like, what? Yeah. And then I was like, oh, wait, it's 1955. No, but also <laughs> it, it sort of, it's, it's explained later on, right? When Tick and Letty have the argument about how Montrose used to beat the soft out of him, right? And I think... Yeah. And I think that's sort of the anger. I, I mean, I'd like to read it as Tick being less offended by the fact that his father is a homosexual and more the fact that his father was taking it out on him. Didn't he also respond in not a great way to Tree a few episodes a while ago when they were talking about something similar? Tree was rag- yes. ragging him about Sammy and he was like, I ain't no fairy or something he said he said some something like that well. yeah so no, I, think, I, think, I think tree was threatening he was not threatening but tree was saying oh maybe there's something happening between your dad and and sammy and yeah, I yeah he mentioned that but yeah. there was something that he's maybe he's something he mentioned something about letty i think as well and then you know tick reaffirmed his masculinity and in not in the most woke way but i think that's true to the time and also yeah. true to the asshole he's dealing with you know there's a point of like performative masculinity in that in that situation where he's putting it on we'd all like to see take we'd all like to see take as like you know our hero but i'm sure he's he's conflicted and, and has issues himself but also it comes from what his father's been doing to him right so yeah. that history of him being overly defensive about being overly macho could have come from the fact that his father used to beat the soft out of him yeah but also it works with Tick's character because even the way he behaved in korea as well Mm. Because part of that masculinity is what drove him to just go, all right, I'm doing the right thing by murdering these people in cold yeah. blood. And yeah, and I think all of that kind of fits. And yes, and also the fact that not everyone was, I think it would be out of place if Tick was actually overly enlightened mm. yeah, as a yeah, character right. during that time. Because yeah, that's George. To hug the father, and, even, yeah. even, and even George isn't anymore. <laughs> Exactly, exactly. Mm. Um, so, yeah, and then um, and, and that, that pretty much winds up Montrose's story, uh, or at least what we got from this week. And then, and then of course, we have Tick and Letty. And Tick and Letty, um, their story kind of begins uh, with a dream in the beginning, uh, mm. where Letty is now in Tick's place in the burning house, uh, watching yep. Hannah run out. Um, and she sees her holding a book, right? And she wakes yep. up uh, after she after she kind of has the pregnancy burnt out of her. Yeah. Uh, it's a pretty <laughs> horrific dream. But the thing is, as well as that, I, I think that uh, Journey Smollett just has more experience working with special effects because if looking back at it now, um, when Jonathan Majors had the black stuff come over him in the ceremony mm. at like the end of the second episode and when he was on fire in that other episode... He doesn't really sell it. He looks a bit weird and <laughs> stiff, right? Whereas you get it with Journey Smollett, she's like, oh, I believe this actress is on fire. She's actually burning from within. Tick's like, get it off. It's like a, it's like a rabid chihuahua is on his arm or an overly loving chihuahua as opposed to flame. I get, But, you know, not everyone can work with special effects. But, yeah, it was really t- terrifying and also, you know, foreshadowing because it looks like she's prego. Uh, and, of course, Tick's been up all night trying to decipher whatever pages he can and they come to kind of this conclusion that 
um, if Hannah in the dream had the book, they had the same dream. Maybe they can find the whole book, even yeah. though Christina is looking for just pages, mm-hmm. right? By the way, if anything like this ever happens to any of us, keep a diary of everything that's out of the normal that happens and just check in with each other every day. It can move the plot along a lot quicker. <laughs> but, but you know, that's what the show does really well. She just doesn't, she doesn't hide the fact that she had the same dream. She goes straight into it. And I'm like, yes, thank you. Keep it going. And keep also, it it's going. nice that that take admit that as well right like oh i had that dream as well as opposed to saying as opposed to trying to hide it and then trying to figure it out himself also known as the montrose playbook yeah if this is a 22 episode series he would have gone like hmm, hmm. Yeah, and then they would have come back camera. to it later yeah no but also the only thing she does hide which is true to character because i think anyone would be afraid to kind of express this out loud was that she was pregnant in the dream because she yeah. was kind of freaked out about that right and her stomach catching fire and her stomach catching and that fire. little thing. Yeah. Followed by the rest of her. <laughs> yeah. But starts there. Yeah. But you know, you're right. There was something else. There was something else that Tick mentions in this that I haven't heard him mention in any previous episode. And he talks about how his mother was the only one who survived the riots in Tulsa. Mm. And, mm. Um, and, and it turns out, you know, we find out later that she had a cousin that also survived the riots in Tulsa. But... I think they're building towards something to do with the riots in Tulsa. Yeah. Um, right. And and this cousin lives in St. Louis, and that's why uh, both Tick and Letty decide that they want to go to St. Louis because the book of names might be there. Yeah. Because maybe Hannah's hinting at the fact that the mom had the book of names, right? Also, in the previous episode, that's the movie with Judy Garland, right? Meet me in St. Louis. Of course it is. <laughs> of course it is. <laughs> <Hey-o>. Well spotted. <laughs> I got something. I got something. <laughs> Stupid Sorry. show with so much stuff. <laughs> it's onions all the way down. So they go to get Woody to go to St. Louis. And it has to be uh, just one of my favorite scenes that kind of echoes the whole world doesn't revolve around you, fucker. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> He's like, I need this car. And she's like, fuck you. I need this car. My stuff's yeah. important too. Also, I'm still mad at you because I know you're a liar. <laughs> yeah. And I'm also, even more I mad can- at you. Also, there's a hint of, it's my fucking car. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. And, and she's just like, step back. It also could yeah. be about the fact that when, when the car pulled out, did you see how dirty the bonnet was? She was just mad they didn't clean it the last time they used it. <laughs> Hippolyta's off uh, to find out uh, what to do with this key that she kind of discovered in the orrery. And uh, Tick and Letty decide that they have to take the bus to St. Louis. Uh, but Hippolyta had asked Ruby to babysit Diana. So Letty decides, okay, wait, maybe I should stay behind and kind of sort things out with my sister because I haven't really spoken to her since she left the house. Mm. Uh, they want to go, Tick wants to go to St. Louis for family business, so Letty's going to stick behind for family business. Correct. Um, so Letty and Ruby have a little conversation. It's not really a big character moment, but I think it's it's kind of like one of those, this is how sisters sort things out. Mm. <laughs> and Tick gets the bus to St. Louis to meet his mom's cousin. Yeah. We see him have dinner with the cousin she shows him a uh, photo album uh, with a photo that has a marking birthmark tattoo birthmark that's thing similar yeah. to what's on his shoulder blade and that's his cousin right has that yes yeah uh, that's his cousin yes. that has that yes his cousin yeah and yeah and then and then it kind of ends there because he gets a call saying that Hippolyta's in trouble and he's got to run off and save her right yeah. Oh, 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 one more thing. Yet again, this is the third time in a row when someone has mentioned Bobo and he's not there. Yeah. Yes. So they're talking about Bobo again and they make a casual mention of him uh, this time because the kids are playing uh, a game with, uh, with, with Letty and Diana's cooking dinner and one of the kids just goes, man, I wish Bobo was here. He know how to do this or no, something. Uh, right? When's Bobo coming back? Because he knows how to play. And so I don't know where that's going, but given, but given this, given the show, it doesn't yeah. feel like anything is by chance. Also, yeah. the next episode is called Jigabobo. Oh. Oh. Okay, hang on. Let's 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 just sort of back it up a little bit to people who who may have missed a couple of episodes. Tell us who Bobo is. Oh, Emmett Till. Why oh, no, do you we think Bobo is? We don't know. We don't know. <laughs> yeah, we, we think, don't know. We but who do we think Bobo is? Yeah. 
Emmett Till uh, in real life was a 13 or 14 year old boy that was uh, kind of brutally murdered. Lynched, right? He was lynched. In August 1955. And his nickname or people used to call him Bobo. But throughout this series, one of Diana's friends is always just referred to as Bobo. And we were figuring right from the get-go that it couldn't be a coincidence. Um, because nothing in the show is a coincidence. Yes. Um, I don't know. I was talking about how whether their mission is to try and save Bobo. And then I was thinking, oh, are they going to do like a Quentin Tarantino? And rewrite mm. the bits of history they don't like because right. they seem to be reclaiming so much of it that mm. I would I, I think that would be quite cool if they did a Tarantino but I'm not sure if this yep. show is going to go there yeah could it be that or could it be you know that, that that event kicks off something else because they've been keeping true to what's been going on if you just google Emmett Till and Bobo I mean there's a decider article that has a picture of the actor playing him and he's wearing a very um Oh yeah, Very unique uh, white a black tie with a white stripe down the middle. And on the Wikipedia page for Emmett Till, he's wearing a black tie with a white stripe down the middle and dots, just like the character ah, did. Okay. So, I thought this was a bit much, but maybe there's <laughs> something to it. <laughs> no, no. Like there it, it is, is no in all the photos you see. Large. All the photos you see of him, he's wearing this tie, and it even has like little um kind of pins or something as you go down the tie and. That the cider article, the image doesn't have the pins, but it does have the tie. So, mm. yeah, that that the cider article was is was it was Emma Till featured in uh, Lovecraft Country episode three. So it could be, it could be. I mean, it's all connected. It's all connected. Yeah. What was the TV? Was it Agents of Shield that said all connected? I can never remember. It was like someone had that as their tagline for quite some time. I don't think it was Agents of Shield. Because I think well, back in the early days when it was like connected to the other things, to the other to the MCU. Mm. We'll find out when Bobo gets back. Yeah, we'll find out in the next episode, apparently. Um, also, the black lady riding the motorcycle. I looked it up. She's someone important. Well, not important, but she's uh, her name is Bessie Stringfield. She was the first black oh, woman to, to ride, ride solo. A, to ride motorcycle across the US. How did you oh, find this out? Cool. <laughs> did she listen was, to the credits? No, the, no, I was just sort of... As I was watching the episode, I was like, there is too much attention being focused on this on this person riding, right yeah on this lady yeah. riding a bright blue baby blue motorcycle right so i'm like huh never okay. to be spoken of again <laughs> never to be spoken of mentioned ever again um so i i mean i like so seeing when no seriously how did like you this, find that did you just want google black woman america yeah, 1950s no, I, I, motorcycle I googled, motorcycle I googled lovecraft country motorcycle lady yes that's what i did I didn't nice. want to put black in there because that was too, yeah, questionable. But <laughs> no, I thought, I, you know, like the way they, it's this thing of, of almost reminding 21st century African-Americans about the, their sort of folk heroes in some way, right? These mm. people who are not going to be made a movie of anytime soon, but people who had done things within the African sort of, the African-American culture, which which is really interesting. So looking at that, you, I can't think Emmett Till slash Bobo is not a thing. Right. I mean, yeah, there's, there's, uh, white, white, white Americans have had their stories told in miniseries, TV shows, movies, and everything also over the years. Also of just random things, right? Yeah. For, for Whereas years, this, gets, yeah. this is putting in, it, it's p- putting in references to all those things so that people can go off and find, fall down their own Wikipedia holes. Yeah. But also just how happy Hippolyta was to see her on that bike. That was great. Yeah. Exactly. That was a reaction <laughs> as if like, oh, I know you, right? Which I thought was quite cool. Was it I know you or you go girl? I don't know. Just one of two. <laughs> it I, felt I, like for both. Me, yeah. Yeah, it felt like she was two. Yeah. Uh, I stumbled across another article that sort of, of course, I didn't stay for the credits, but uh, essentially uh, names the character of the alien that Hippolyta meets later on. Oh, oh yeah. Who's that? Not the actress, though. The alien with the massive afro is named in the end credits as Beyond Cess. C apostrophe E-S-T. Beyonce. Yeah. <laughs> that is hilarious. I was just like, oh, that's pretty <laughs> fucking cool. So she's, yeah. So Beyond and then C-E-S-T. Beyond that is great. Oh, you that awesome. is fantastic. Wow. Come on, Lovecraft <laughs> Country. Uh, but that was pretty cool. I thought it was a great name. Yeah, yeah. 
So the the episode open or it's around the opening where we find out that the magic potion is actually a polyjuice potion and it doesn't you can't become anyone you want to you can only become someone the potion is the blood of so yeah was did we have we ever seen real William then or was it always Christina I think it might have always been Christina yeah she doesn't say when the, William died yeah. no that's what that was in my notes it's like when did he die did he die after the golden dawn or i keep saying golden dawn it's ancient order of dawn right when that that blue when that house was done but she also said that like captain the lancaster sheriff. did it right yeah captain lancaster did yeah it. so i'm assuming she's always had been dragging this body around uh dell must have gotten killed when she was hit on the head with a shovel then yeah, so we saw Dell and Christine in the same scene, right? Wasn't yes. Christine on a horse or something and the, the yes. Dell called off episode the doggies? In episode two. two. Yeah. So yeah, she got she got herself perished. She got moided. Are we going to get like just the most convoluted yet awesome lesbian relationship between Ruby and Christine? <laughs> I think is so. Is it a because lesbian relationship though, if you think about it? If they I mean, want it to be, it is. If they don't they, feel like that that yeah, night, they, it doesn't have to know, be. Yeah, let's, take a little, to, let's take a little potion and... Uh, yeah, let's take, take a little potion and trip the right fantastic. Yeah. Tools, nice. Interracial, transgendered. It's awesome. You can't actually put a label on it. It's fantastic. You can't, yeah. yeah. It's great. Yeah. Uh, because I think that question is up in the air because it's still about... Was it? Um, Ruby says, tell me everything, right? Yeah, I want to know everything, and that's another thing that's kind of along the path to magic, right? Is like when there's a certain point, the novitiate has to you have to take on everything, which is the, you have to understand everything, which is the good and the bad, and you might yeah. not be the same afterwards. And there's kind of hints of that later with like Ruby slightly picking at Letty about stuff. Like Ruby knows where the money came from at that point, but she's not letting Letty know, and Letty knows where the money came from, and she's not telling Ruby mm. either because yes. they're both assholes. Well, Letty more, I think, and you know, kind of. Ruby's needling her for information on what's going on and Letty's not quite giving it to her. Yeah. And, you know, that's that classic drama trope of like, if they just sat down and shared everything and maybe had a hug, they'd be on the same side. But as it is, that wedge between them could be getting driven wider. But also the way Christina kind of sells it to Ruby as well. And, you know, she's like, oh, I was in this situation where they didn't treat women so good. And my dad never let me in and you know she's trying to appeal to her sense of minority if you will Uh, and it seems to be working even her justifications for oh i never lied to you it may have been william's voice but it was always me yeah Mm. i I think that's something that's like it's not william it's her like what we've seen you be you ruby you know who you were when you were doing it so like it shouldn't be that hard for you to get wearing a skin suit it shouldn't be that hard for you to grok that it was Christina all along, but I guess that's just her, you know, trying to get over her own internal mental barriers to figure it out. Mm. So I don't know what's going to happen with their relationship and whose side Ruby is and I guess what's her plan. Yeah, can I just say as well, I love the fact that during that whole conversation between them in the basement with the with the dead bodies... um. You know, they could have done the movie thing, which is like someone climbs out of a, a swamp and then they're totally dry in the next scene. But no, Christina's just covered in blood throughout that because she's just yeah. shed her Williams again. I just like that. <laughs> she had no time to get a towel. Get a fucking towel. It's a little more gruesome on Christina because she's so fair-skinned. The, the blood yeah. really pops off of her. Um, yeah, it's not so bad with Ruby, I think. So, I mean, again, I looked at the polyjuice potion from Harry Potter has to be from a live person. So I'm wondering if that's if they're kind of dead alive like that or can you make a potion from someone do you need a tremendous amount of blood can you take it from a living person will we see this turn up later will somebody shed their face mask and be like aha it was me all along (laughs) (laughs) and also also what happens if you run out of blood yeah Mm. do they have to change bodies i mean that's i presume that's why that that's one reason why i guess she's keeping them around like she's they're on they're dead but still producing enough yeah, they're dead, yeah. but still producing live blood cells so that she can Brain make more, thing, I guess. maybe, yeah. Mm. Do you think it's possible that Letty is related to Christina? Huh? So whether Letty is Samuel's daughter. Why would you think that? Christina did say that there. she said it's your family's name. Yes. To Ruby, right? To Ruby, yeah. And also, um, in the second episode... Um, one of the sons of Adam says, oh, why is his daughter here? Mm-hmm. But I don't think Christina was in the room when he said that. I think she was. Oh, was she in the room? Because they were watching the oh, she was in the room. sets. 
Oh, she, she was, was in the room? room. Oh, I yeah. thought he was referring to Letty. Okay, my bad. Was there ever a thing between Letty and Ruby about them having different fathers? I don't think so. No, I don't think so. No. Right. And I mean, having one, you know, we, uh, it doesn't want to go the Star Wars route where everyone's related. And oh, stuff. yeah, that's true. That's true. Mm. I don't think that'd be... It's good to just have normal people having fun, exciting adventures. And not have everyone be a Skywalker. Yeah. Even when you're not. Yeah, the, the show ends with Lady saying, my, uh, Ruby saying, my name, Skywalker. <laughs> <laughs> and then we burn all of these episodes. Um, okay, so, which brings us to Hippolyta's story which I have to say has some of the most beautiful imagery we have seen yet in the show. It is just, and it's not just beautiful. It is just so much fun mm. when mm. she, yes, when she's in her spacesuit and it's the one that her daughter is drawn. It is just so cool. And her hair, is it like green and blue? And <laughs> uh, it's, it's, it's absolutely fantastic. Anyway, so Hippolyta gets sucked into the portal uh, because she uses the key. Um, she goes to the coordinates. It's like this big planetarium thing. It's, it's in the Tyrum's Observatory. It's a place that, remember I was saying a few episodes ago about Lancaster's men were talking about, we got to keep an eye on the observatory. I've told mm. them we'll keep, we'll keep an eye and it'll keep people out. Because you can see it, it's a big round observatory when she pulls up. And it's like, yep. don't go there alone, girl. But she figures it out. She figures out the math. She turns on the machine and then two cops suddenly show up and like, how did you get this machine working? And yeah. uh, and then Tick shows up because he gets there just in time to get into a fight with the policeman. Hippolyta shoots one of them and then she gets sucked into the portal. Yeah, the, well, she creates a portal, yeah. The, the machine, I'm sure, all the numbers flashing there are got to be something. <laughs> they have to be. I did not pause through all of them, but they have to be, right? Uh, so she gets sucked into a portal and she ends up on a sp- spaceship oh wait on a planet and then these giant robot android things kind of scoop her up and then she is in a big white room which looks like she's in a spaceship where she meets beyonce beyonce (laughs) beyond say uh yeah and 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 this idea of um you are not in a prison name yourself is the two things that keep getting repeated at her yeah um, and she kind of, I'm assuming because what she talks to about George later in the episode, um, I'm assuming it's not time travel, but parallel world travel. Mm. Yes. Yeah. So she talks about the many worlds theorem, right? Which is that there are many worlds out of phase with ours. And one aspect, this is the thing, maybe Hiram's such an idiot uh, because they, and Christine and Lancaster a little bit too, because they think it's a time machine because with the many worlds theorem, if you think about like the a string of pearls and every world along it is, you know, slightly different. So the worlds closest to our own, you know, are slightly closer. So, you know, the one next over is one where uh, Obama lost and the one over that is where, you know, a little bit more different. And it goes, the further along you go, you get you know, the Flintstones where we're still, yeah. you know, home appliances or dinosaurs. You know, it gets further away, it gets the wackier it gets. Yeah. And one element of that is if you think about it moving in different directions time travel would be going to a younger universe. Yeah. If you go to a, a universe that's very similar to your own, but just it's not quite caught up to where you are, then that is, uh, you know, that would seem like time travel. And that could have been a mistake made by Hiram because maybe Hippolyta was lucky or maybe Beyonce and whatever the hell her um, wrinkle in time group of funky divas is. Uh, well, they had like a, it was a, they didn't say parliament, they said something. They had like a, I'm just thinking of parliament, the funk band because of that afro, but like, they had a, are you later on she's talking about are you ready to you're ready to join our conglomeration or something like that yeah but like it seems like i thought of, i was thinking as well whether the at first this is like the ui for how to traverse the thing but i think it's more that beyonce and the rest of um future destiny's child they basically just catch anyone who accidentally happens into this kind of stuff because i think they look like they're a far future because uh hippolyta says she, when she's f- figuring things out, the air was different and all that kind of stuff. But she would say, she starts talking about like, well, gravity would be different further in the future, right? It was like, it, it, she was still on Earth. It was just a far-flung Earth where, you know, there's not much left, basically. Yeah. But also Beyonce talks about enlightenment, right? And Yeah. Mm. Yeah. And that's why. So it's a far-flung Earth. Nothing much is left. However, um, those who are enlightened get to join her on that journey. Yeah, and I think there's an element of that being like it's not a prison, it's a playpen. So you got to figure out here, you got to stick here until you figure out how to navigate the many worlds. And we've given you your time and space bands to basically 
trip around with. And your, the way you do it... time oyster card. Yeah. And uh, the way you do it is you swipe your time oyster card through your identity to figure out where you want to be. Yeah. And the first thing she does is go to France with Josephine Baker. That was fantastic. Did you guys see that as... Because when I saw that, when she says Josephine Baker, it almost felt like a joke. Not like a joke's not the word, not the right word, but oh, know, I know that like, she was just she was just shitting about because she was laughing, right? She was like, yeah, oh yeah, like, whatever, oh, yeah. I can go I anywhere. Go, yeah, I want to go see Josephine Baker. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 as if she could have said like, yeah, I'm the Queen of Sheba. You know that yeah. would it's that level. Yes, that's what it felt like. Yeah, but they didn't have the budget to do Sheba, so instead. <laughs> that is I don't Paris. know. I mean, again, Josephine Baker goes back to that idea about Bessie on the motorcycle, right? This idea that yeah. this, you know, she's got a history of her own where, mm. you know, I think I I think on that same article I just read about how she was a a, a, a an African American who renounced her citizenship to live mm. in France, right? To live in Paris mm-hmm. as a performer. So it's this idea that there are these African Americans who have done things that other that most people don't know about, and also that the big inhibitor in their lives seemed to be America. Yeah. Mm, <laughs> yes. For a lot of it, right? And I think with the Josephine Baker sequence um, was 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 incredibly well written, especially the bit when she's talking to Josephine about all of those inhibitions that she's felt and all of the stuff that she's kind of um, that that's held her back. And it was a mm. it was a great exchange because Josephine Baker all she does is give her this knowing look or this knowing nod as opposed mm. to commiserate, right? Right. Because she knows. Oh, I know. You know. Now you've discovered this too. Yeah. Uh, the, the knowing the trap is there is part of avoiding the trap, and she's realizing that she's fallen into the trap that so many people fall into, which is that like I think I've been living my own life, but I've actually already been acceding to someone else's whims. Mm. Yeah. Uh, and in and in Hippolyta's case, you know, part of it has to do with the system, and part of it has to do with George as well, uh, which she kind of acknowledges later on. But yeah. it doesn't end with Josephine Baker because then she kind of flashes into this Themyscira type <laughs> situation where she's training to fight confederate soldiers for some reason yeah the confederate soldiers is like what where okay yeah, sure that- but again that's where the that's where the time that's where it's like okay you've seen josephine baker you're thinking it's time travel like Hiram. so let's let's just put that idea away and it's not time travel um and and so yeah it's a, it's a bit of a training montage and so you get uh, and that's what i liked about the episode because you kind of see hippolyta's evolution across like both mental and physical planes, right? So she's got the psychological stuff taken care of with the Josephine Baker stuff, and then now she's got to be a warrior woman. Well, that's the first. That's the that's the training wheels coming off. That's like her realizing, her identifying her, you know, anger, and like then, re- then, then the next episode is basically her becoming okay with that anger and deciding what to do with it, as opposed to just lashing out thoughtlessly or compacting it, and as she says later, making herself small. And then mm. you get. The awesome song Fire by Mother's Finest, which kind of kicks in the background and she's taking on these soldiers. Man, it's so good. (laughs) Um, I also like that we got to see, um, after that sequence, flashback to the first time we meet them in bed. But it's now Mm. from a completely different POV, right? And, Mm -hmm. you know, she's like, what are you looking at, George Freeman? And and she kind of confronts him with this, notion that he has contributed to her feeling small yeah Mm. and and i and 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 for me i love that bit of dialogue just because the way george goes from but i didn't know i was doing that to oh my god i was wrong was was a really quick shift and i i like how quickly that realization came to him and he just went oh shit yeah Mm. Um, yeah, it was a great moment between the both of them, and you actually get—and that was what I was talking about earlier when I said you get this—you get this resolution that was so needed because when we meet them in the first episode, we see them as such a loving family, and then in episode three to see the show move on past his death so quickly was jarring. So yeah. now that we get this kind of—it's—it's it's real catharsis at this moment, right? And then they go off on adventures together, which is even better. It's like that she thought she had everything she wanted, the 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 happy family life and everything else, and a smart husband who supported her and enjoyed her curiosity, and it just shows that that's the trap she fell into. 
Mm. Like it, it, the fact that he's like, I was allowed to go off and have my adventures yeah. while because knowing that you were at home taking care of the kids is like, yeah, that's just a damning indictment to society, really, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, mm. but also she knows that she's going to try and have it all as well because she knows she can't just desert her child back in the 1950s and fuck mm. off with Beyonce. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so I think the new Hippolyta, now that she's named herself and, you know, has all this mental and physical training, may end up a bigger, stronger character. Yeah, now she's some sort of, you could say, Wonder Woman. Hey! Hey! <laughs> and she takes, uh, she takes Courtney C. Vance with her. Because Courtney B. Vance was from her universe, so this is Courtney C. Vance, or Courtney D. Vance. <laughs> but she has, she's actually able to bring him along, which is quite nice. So yeah. she gets to have adventures. You have no idea. The the third, so the coordinates to keep flashing up, um, I don't know if they're going off, what is it they say on the observatory? No, it's mass rotation with velocity radius. Basically, the first two are, I, I presume, location? some kind of universal yeah, location somewhere on Earth. And the third is the time because the time yeah. keeps ticking along. Because it seems like she spends quite a it's quite a long time in Wakanda. And I mean, even with just Finn Baker, it, it sort of there's a passage of time, right? It's not. Yeah, it's not one night. That was the thing I was wondering about. Is it like is she quantum leaping into someone else? She doesn't look in any mirrors or anything like that. Uh, or is oh, she like there as herself? I think because she's there as herself. So did she just like were the dancers just there and she just pops on board as an American girl? Like is the time time just the universe each 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 reality is just like stubborn enough that like oh I don't I don't I don't want to admit that something brand new just popped up in my reality so I'll just make reality conform and give you a pass that fits because um, mm. otherwise otherwise you know she just popped into existence in the middle of the dancing line <laughs> and everyone's like okay roll with it again maybe it's a hitchhiker's guide thing you know like the somebody else's problem field you just yeah. ignore it until it goes yeah. away yeah <laughs> yeah so she she pops into all of these existences but now it'll be interesting to see where she shows up when hmm. she finally goes back to her earth because at the end she decides that she is going to go back to her earth right yeah, yeah. and so uh, where she shows up and rather when she shows up as well. Does she show up immediately after? I mean, I have no idea how that portal works. It looks like Tick shows up immediately after the event because the dead cop's just lying there and you hear sirens in the background. So maybe the portal always brings you back to that point. But Well, but the thing the is, Tick... closes, right? Right. Yeah. And also, we don't know what happened to Tick. Like, uh, Hippolyta had gone through her journey, so they said you don't need those clumsy mega bands anymore yeah to try to travel mm. through the underverse or whatever it's like she's now realized enough that she can do it herself and it is that i think it is that kind of wrinkle in time thing right where i can't even remember the movie because the movie wasn't that great um but they were traveling mind via mind stuff right yeah so it's that kind of thing where she can i don't know if she can time travel though that's the other thing she can probably because it's it's multiverse hopping not whatever hopping i'm wondering if she had a hand in getting tick back if she like found him where he was and then nudged him back because he's a bit of a dummy and wouldn't find his bike way back on his own he's not as enlightened as she is maybe or it would have taken him longer but it is interesting when he does pop back he has the book yes lovecraft country uh by george freeman yeah uh, journey into worlds within worlds within worlds it says on the cover <laughs> so i'm thinking he just i think because you know he didn't cop on quick enough he just went to one place mm and came and back. had his own adventure i don't know if he had a, i think he just wandered around being confused and hitting things until apollo sent him back somehow a little umbrella academy like where you just sort of survive with your head down yeah i'm thinking he did that for bad i'm sure that's one of the episodes later we'll get a little flashback to what happened there and what's going on with the book but i'm hoping that you know you know uh it's just kind of like again from the invisibles comic or something like that you know there's a certain point where there's a big confrontation and then hippolyta just like re revolves in from higher dimensions and just like some godlike being who fucks up some <laughs> shit for some white people great yeah. they're assembling their avengers you know she's the multi-dimensional goddess they have the silver the seven-tailed fox um tick hits things good uh letty will just you know Give some sass. Like they're putting a team together. That's exactly what I was going to say. When does the team get together and also who is on the team? So is Christina and Ruby eventually going to be on their side or are they going mm. to be the big bad, right? Yeah. Mm. Uh, because up until this point, we have the big bad that is society and the system and the cops, but we don't really have it manifest in an individual because what Christina seems to be doing is selfish 
but it doesn't seem to be world ending. Yeah, she has been an asshole, but has she been evil? Yeah, that's that's mm. what I was wondering. Yeah. Um, so I'm not sure. So I, that's what I'm waiting for to see how this group comes together, and also what role Diana plays, right? Uh, because it feels like she has more of a story too. And they're setting her up because the the, the you know. Uh, they accidentally leave behind one of her comics that she's hand- handily yes. autographed. So, like, you know, um, I mean, I think they've also taken the the sting out of like that that subplot with the time machine is like, well, it's not. So at least we don't have to worry about you know these white folk going back and making Hitler take over the world or you know tie into the Man in the High Castle or something like that. We don't need to worry about that so much. Correct. Um, the worst that can happen to these fuckers is they can get lost in the multiverse, which th- you know they deserve in a way. Which ain't half bad. Um, yeah. So. That's not the. Th- I don't think that's the thrust of the season. We know that even if they get access to that, there's not much they can do with it. As far as we know, unless they become, I doubt Beyonce will let them into their club. No, mm. they're like you're not evolved enough. Kick back. You're you got another couple of thousands of years. You slime bag. Yeah. So also, every major character has had an arc except Diana. So I'm assuming Diana's arc will have to do with Bobo somehow. Maybe mm. and maybe Bobo's thing probably brings around a little bit of Lancaster and Bigs up there brings them more into the flat fray because there's no big bad right now. No, there isn't. Mm. So well, so I'm thinking it's him, and we'll find out what's going on with his weird body colored thing. body ch- color differences and uh, lead into you know that that guy in the closet, what secret he's holding that might all tie into that's what the plan is, and then they have to stop that. Hope maybe. Or we just get some more anthology episodes. Did you? Did anybody look up the numbers during Hippolyta's journey through consciousness and space? Uh, I looked up the first one or the second one where she was in the fighting the Confederates, and it was the middle of the ocean. So I didn't look up any more after that. Right. Okay. Okay. Did the How first is that where Thermoskera is? Did they? Oh, no. <laughs> yeah. Did they, I mean it was off the coast? I think it was off the coast. It was off the fo- coast of Qatar. Um, did anyone check? Was the first one's Paris? No, I didn't actually. But no, I didn't. I check. think it I'm would just, make sense yeah. if it was. Yeah. Oh, we also should mention there was the the Sun Ra quote as well that we missed out. That was on, a great. Is, oh, you know, yes, of course, that yeah. is a great quote. Um, that was what you're not real. If you were, you'd have some status among the nations in the world. I'm not real. I'm just like you. Yeah. Yeah. Black people are myths come from a dream that the black man dreamed long ago. It's from his 1974 movie, Space is the Place. Yes. Mm. It's also important to note that, you know, Sun Ra, as a character, claims to be from Saturn. So, you mm. know. Now, that quote ends with, I'm going to be here until I pick out some of you to take back with me. Yeah. So Like so Beyonce. That, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Which which makes sense, given how Afrofuturist the whole episode was, right? Yes. Mm. Yeah. Literally atrofuturist. It was like a yes. robot body with a giant afro lady. Correct. Correct. Just so great. To, have, yeah. to have a jazz afrofuturist uh, feature in the episode feels like a bit of a no-brainer. Yeah. <laughs> yes. The, also, the, the French song that she's singing along is Piel Canela. Okay. When she's on her drive. And mm. uh, the literal translation of the title is that it is a love song dedicated to someone with black eyes and cinnamon skin. Mm. Mm. And it's also sung in French by Josephine Baker. So there you go. Everything oh. kind of ties in. Oh. I also want to shout out the, the writing around the speech that they were giving, the, the warrior women were giving, was just really cool as well. Like, we did not believe, we're here because we did not believe the hatred we feel for our enemies is not godlike. Yeah. You know, there's like, we're told all this kind of like refuting all these roles they've been put in. It was just like really well written and really, really sang. Yeah. Every, every, everything in this episode just kind of really really worked for me the visuals worked the writing worked uh, yet again the music worked a treat um, mm. and yeah I think the the big question is now how everything's going to come together in the last three episodes um, I mean because for me yeah they've they've brought up and gone into some really cool interesting places but now the question is how can they la- how will they land it right will they be able mm. to land these these ideas because you know, you've got an ancient order. You've got, you know, racist lodges. You've magic. got magic. You've got skin, you know, suits. You've got now Afrofuturism. You've got Beyonce. Multiple uh, worlds. Multiple worlds. We still don't know what's going on with Jai from Korea. She's going to come back. There's a lot of, not 
I wouldn't say loose threads, but there's a lot of ideas that they've thrown up now. Now the question is, will they be able to land it? Mm. I, I'm sure they will. I've, I mean, in these, what we've seen in these seven episodes, I don't doubt that they'll be able to pull this off. In these seven episodes, even things that I thought were loose threads or things that Randoms. were just left up to interpretation ends up being resolved in some way or other. So yep. whatever questions I did have from early in the season are already being answered and whatever mm-hmm. concerns I have were already being addressed. So I'm sure in the last three episodes, they've got three hours, they've got more than enough time to kind of put a nice little bow on top of all of this. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it's even just like the the observer, like the kind of hints that like the give is like the observatory thing was just mentioned while Ruby was in the the closet, right? And, and that was you a were small saying thing. that you could only like we didn't even hear it. You had the subtitles on and you saw it, right? Yeah, yeah. always yeah. be subtitling. <laughs> Maybe ABS subtitles are for winners. Um, <laughs> it's the only it's the it's the only <laughs> way to understand half these things and also get people's names and things. You miss so much without it. When we get preview stuff and there's no subtitles, I'm so mad. But like, you know, that was because it's like that, at that point I realized nothing is unintentional in the show. Every exactly. every frame is not just a painting, it's an encyclopedia to 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 track the show. Yeah. Oh, the other thing, the other thing as well, the beautiful piece of writing about Josephine Baker saying, you know, I feel like a star and everyone's like, ah, cool. And it's like, no, no, already extinguished. It's like, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. For yeah. someone who, for someone who wears so few clothes, she's pretty goth. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, so far, so far this show is seven for seven. Um, and um, yeah, I haven't been this excited about something since Watchmen. So here we go. Let's see what's left in the last three episodes um yeah folks give us your thoughts about lovecraft country what do you think so far about uh episodes one through seven you can get in touch uh, via all of our social medias on goggler my you can also email us on podcast at goggler.my we did we did we did get one i asked for t- uh, tweets this morning i did get one tweet about um from Danny Ganaya saying, still loving the overall premise, but not a fan of that trippy intergalactic bit. By the way, I, uh, the, they're asked about the boys, but we, I told them we're covering that already. So I don't know. But yeah, I think that trippy intergalactic beat reminded me a lot of uh, the old Betty Boo, Betty Boo music video from the 90s. And that's always a good thing. So I think I think it's, it's again, touching on 1950s pulp sci-fi. And that's, mm. they're touching everything like that. Yeah. And, and I like the show. I like that the show dabbles in sci-fi and horror and fantasy. It is also amazing to see a fifty-one-year-old black woman having these adventures. Exactly. It's not just yes. a kid yep. or you know, teenagers or those in their twenties. It's actually you know, getting a woman to an, a slightly older woman to have her adventure and realize she's still got a lot, an awful lot to to do. And and also an older woman who grew up enjoying all of this stuff too. Yeah. yeah, she read all the books. She knows all of this stuff. She's not a fish out of water in this adventure at all. Mm. Mm. Um, she yeah. can work the math and she can work the machines, and it's really, really cool. She, she was yeah. pretty close to fucking up Beyonce with her improvised weapons and tools. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, exactly. Uh, but you know, of course, Beyonce has mind powers. Just like the real one. (laughs) All right. uh, This brings us to the end of another exciting episode of Goggler Presents. uh, Love cast pleasantry. Uh, Tune in next week when we're going to be talking about episode eight. Ian Wahir signing out.